Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, bite-sized where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. We have three segments. You've seen another. Last episode, we reviewed where we were before the lockdown and how we'll be resuming. Things are beginning to unfold by way of returning to society. The new norm. Football has returned, albeit without the fans, but society is beginning to pick up. Beginning of the new norm. Academy football doesn't seem to have returned as of yet, so I'd like to add youth into the latest news. So we'll begin straight with seeing you another. I'd like to announce we began a blog, an articles column which will release write-ups on a subject, to begin with once a month. To begin with, I thought our first article would be as to why, and its level of importance, referencing where the representation began for someone like myself as part of the diaspora, in seeing players like Lloyd Abusa and Tony Yeboah, but for others it might be different, and I thought in sharing stories and providing info, a timeline would be great. Knowing of our greatness, but not quite knowing of our history, our lineage, and the long line of successful players and moments in history. Everything from the forming of the Ghanaian Football Association in 1957 to modern time. We've also added pages referencing our history which will be regularly updated. The website is live and functional, but currently under construction. The article is out now via website on the articles page, with the title Why. Last episode we touched on racism, and this week I wanted to expand on the subject a little. I woke up thinking about Bernie Eccleston's comments about black people being more racist than white people in reference to F1, Formula One, and Lewis Hamilton, sorry. And I instantly began thinking out aloud as a poet, with the words of, I would like the new norm to be dot dot dot. There have been a number of high-profile cases in recent years. Prince Boateng, the Kudabali incident away at Inter, England away at Bulgaria. And this all after things of my youth and generation, and slightly before, from Samuel Eto'o to as far as John Barnes. With my experiences, I always think about how isolated they felt in front of anything in the region of 40,000 people and how generations before them felt and coped with that pressure, with what they went through and how it affected them. I've got Paul Canaville's book, Black and Blue. I've had it for a while, but I haven't opened it yet. He played for Chelsea in the 80s. I don't want to divulge too much, so hopefully it will encourage you to do your research. During and life after football, I believe he suffered from mental health and was homeless. He was honoured and came out of Stamford Bridge a few years ago, and he spoke about how nervous he was in the days before because of his experiences playing at the bridge in front of his own fans. Things have changed, but frankly, it's not enough. In recent days, I've heard comments referring to the pathways being good and maybe black coaches aren't good enough. Well, the less said about that, the better, if I'm honest. Um, I said last week, FIFA and UEFA must do more, as well as our counterparts in eradicating racism. All football associations, and as far as I'm concerned, and some may say this is strong, but with their influence versus the money involved in the game, they can only be complicit. I'm a part-time Uber driver and I've had a number of different conversations as to just things in general. Um, But I spoke with someone in the wake of the England-Bulgaria game, someone senior and a part of the contractual negotiation team for the television rights. They said at the time, football, the governing bodies, broadcasters and brands had the power to change the landscape. With the implications of COVID-19, loss or potential loss to sponsorship and television rights, it's interesting that clubs have made the necessary adjustments. I say that to say this, in 2012 I backpacked and travelled around South America. I'll speak very briefly on my experiences. I encountered forms of racism or behaviours at the cost of racism. I've been called a gorilla among many things, but I recall being in Bolivia and watching Bolivia versus Uruguay, a World Cup qualifier for the 2014 World Cup I believe. I can't remember the point in the game, but I found racially abused Alvaro Pereira. And as someone who watches football, I'll never forget Alvaro Pereira of Inter Milan and also FC Porto. I spoke Spanish well, but my Spanish wasn't coherent enough to detail exactly what he said. But needless to say, it was a very negative and offensive racial comment. Nobody flinched to what he said, but 
borrowing an Englishman, who turned around to see who said that, to see me. His mouth was wide open and aghast in shock. We exchanged words, a quick shake of hands and a dap, and I remember him saying, I wouldn't even know what it feels like to be you right now. I left the game early. The game finished 4-1, but I didn't feel the need to see out the game and potentially encounter any other forms of racism. In fact, I'd just arrived in Bolivia that morning, so I wasn't too sure what the landscape was. But that wasn't the first game, and it wasn't the last time that I encountered racism at a football match. I encountered another incident in Buenos Aires, to which I had to leave early as well. I remember feeling so alone at times. I have so many stories I can tell. I've journaled up to 50,000 words of my experiences travelling. As to racism, we often say that was many years ago. It's not like that now. If you've been to Cuba, it's a phenomenal place to visit, and it draws comparison with earlier times, the 40s and the 50s. When travelling at times in 2012, I thought I was walking side by side with my ancestors. When I met black people in South America, both Latin and Africans who had travelled there, I would speak to them, tell them all my experiences, and ask them if life was like that there, to which their response was always yes. I moved to Barcelona a couple of years ago and back and forth quite frequently, and not to say there's anything like my experiences in 2012, because I haven't encountered that, but the Samuerto and Danny Alves incident was only in 2005 and 2014 respectively. And for those who are British, the Raheem Sterling incident away at Chelsea was only last year. People forget he went from one day being the devil to the next day being a saint. Continuing, I always say hello and greet the street vendors from Africa, exchange conversation and genuinely just ask how they are. I've seen a number of things in this pandemic which are both good and bad by way of humanity. Nelson Mandela the Great was still with us in 2012, and it saddened me when he passed, because in my time in South America I'd always think about Nelson Mandela and how great a human being he must have been. To do 27 years in jail, which was how old I was at the time, and be forgiven and want to implement change of equality. You know, the one thing that I was taught in South America, all that I learned in South America, is that I love people, and not everybody's racist. It's not a protest against a race, but a protest against racism. As I said in the last episode, we must make an effort to support each other and eradicate prejudice and racism. An injustice anywhere is a threat to justice and equality. A number of initiatives have been publicised in recent days and weeks. We'll have to see how effective and measurable they are in the coming months and years. Just as the new norm began with queuing two metres apart to enter shops, I would like to see the new norm be of equality. <sighs> On a lighter note, the latest news. Congratulations to Tariq Lamptey who made his debut for Brighton in the week with a man in the match display. Eddie Nketiah's goal scoring form continues. I firmly believe he has a future at Arsenal. I believe one of the big two, Aubameyang and Lacazette, will be sold in the summer which will provide more opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see how that situation plays out at the end of the season, with Arsenal likely in need of some funds. Ido Celta Vigo pulled out some credible results through the past fortnight, which will give them a great chance of survival. Liverpool have been confirmed champions of England after 30 years. Congratulations to fellow Ghanaian and senior scout of the club, Christian Chempong, who was overjoyed. As briefly stated last episode, Asante Kotoko will be developing an academy which will, in his proposal, rival some of the best academies in Europe. A publication was released in the week, so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories as they unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnereu at gmail.com or tweet us or DM us at teamgarnereu on IG or Twitter. Thank you, take care, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.